Hello guys, welcome to In The Zone episode 15. As we all know, today is a very special day out there for all the lovers. It's Valentine's Day, but for us three, it's the same old thing. We're doing a podcast. To start off, we're going to talk about the Toronto Raptors and basically right after last week's pod... They got Marcus all literally 20 minutes after we were talking about all oh, the raps weren't going to make any moves. And there they are. They get Marcus all they trade JV. They trade the lawn, right? CJ miles and a 2024 second round pick based on the first three games. Marcus all has been a part of our team. We see that he is in a reduced role with the team averaging about like 21 minutes a night. I say maybe in about two weeks as he adjusts to Nick nurse's, you know, game and coaching, I think he will average again about 32 minutes. What are your thoughts so far on Marcus Gasol's play with the Raps? Uh, like you said, it's very limited so far, but what I've seen is a great veteran presence that can come off the bench. He does everything. He can shoot the three when you need him, spread the floor, uh, assists on plays. He can rebound. JV, like I love him. He was great, but he wasn't the very best rebounder when you needed him. So I think Gasol fills that need. He can score. Uh, even though he's in his mid-30s, he can still contribute to the team and add that with uh, Kawhi and Kyle Lowry and Danny Green. They got a great team going into the final stretch of the season. How much of an upgrade do you think Marcus Gasol is from Jonas Valachunas right now? I think it is. It's a big upgrade. It's not like a significant one for like from Kyle Lowry or sorry Kawhi Leonard and DeMar DeRozan type of thing where that two-way game, but. I think Gasol does bring stuff that Jonas Valanciunas couldn't do, like the assists. He's a better ball handler than him. And Jonas Valanciunas, when in the fourth quarter, we never really see him play. And now Gasol's going to come in. That's a guy who can play throughout the game. You know he can play. And he's been in the playoffs before, had some great runs with Memphis. So him and Ibaka are going to be a great duo to watch in the playoffs. Do you think with the emergence now of Marc Gasol, do you think that could affect a young guy's you know, mojo and momentum in Pascal Siakam. We've seen him basically be probably the most improved player in the whole NBA, maybe other than D. Rose. But do you think the acquisition of Marcus Gasol can affect Pascal Siakam's, you know, uh, ride of momentum right now? I don't think so because I think Siakam is a player who can play multiple positions. He can go to the power forward spot. And if they go small, he can even play center. Uh, so we saw last night he got 44 points, career high, just killed it. And I think Pascal Siakam could be one of the guys we look at like three years down the road as one of the core members of this team because Kyle Lowry's getting up there in age. Uh, Kawhi, you don't know if he will resign or not. Marcus is gonna, he won't be like the same player in three years. So I think this will be Siakam's team eventually. So and he's playing pretty good against some of the top players in the league. So I like Siakam's game. Pinello, I know you're a big fan of Jonas Valachunas. I just want you to rate this trade. Do you like it? Do you dislike it? Any thoughts on it? I, I do like it. I'm trying to be unbiased here, and I see that uh, JV was kind of a liability defensively, and Gasol can kind of step in there and get the job done. And once he gets his minutes up and he gets more comfortable to our system, you know, it should pay off here. It's. Uh, I was looking at the trade, and like the fact that we didn't have to give up Siakam or OG or even our first – yeah. to get a, all, a three-time All-Star in Marcus Gasol. Yeah, he is 34 years old, but he's having career highs in a couple categories in assists and steals and in defensive rebounds, something that the Raps, they desperately need. And because last year we saw Jakob Pertl, he basically took on that role in playing the fourth quarter center position and trying to shut down the best centers. Because again, like you said, JV, kind of a liability defensively, but he did. It's kind of sad because he was just improving his three-point game he was trying to adjust to the NBA, but now we're getting a center that has been shooting threes for a couple years now in Marcus Saul. And the impact that he's going to bring to this team, clearly the Raptors are in win now mode. Again, we've been talking about this all year. Can any team really beat the Golden State Warriors this year? I'm not really sure, but Messiah Jury, he's definitely looking at this trade and thinking, yeah, I think we have a good shot of beating them. And you know, they're trying to kind of balance out what happened as well with the the 76ers getting Tobias Harris. I think when a jury saw that deal go through, he was like, OK, we got to we got to make a big splash here and we got to get our center because JV is not cutting it. He's injury prone, can't play defense. So not only did they get Marcus Gasol, 
But as we saw in the buyout market, they were trying to get Wayne Ellington. They were trying to get, I think, Markeith Morris couldn't grab him. So instead, they go out and get probably the most hyped guy in the buyout market, Lynn Sanity. What are your guys' thoughts? And do you think this guy will have a big impact with the, with the Raptors? I love that it, they got uh, Jeremy Lynn. That's a real low-risk, high-reward type of move because I remember in, like when we were in high school and Jeremy Lynn was killing it. He came out of nowhere. Like Everyone's like, well, who is this guy? Like, What's he doing? <laughs> He's getting all these points for the Knicks. And uh, Kobe Bryant's like even one time someone asked him, I don't know who that is. He ends up dropping 38 points on Kobe Bryant. So, Debut, yeah. yeah. So he's a great offensive player that last year he was averaging like 18 points and this year his uh, performance kind of like went down a bit, but he's in a better team, better situation right now. So if they can even get him to average like 13, 14 points, they got a huge upgrade in the backup point guard position. Didn't Van Fleet just get injured too? Yeah, five weeks he's out. It's per- I think it's perfect timing too because, again, like you said, we saw Jeremy Lin last year. He took on the starting role for Atlanta. So let's even say Kyle Lowry gets hurt. Then Jeremy Lin could kind of go in there and take over the starting point guard spot for now. We saw last night Jeremy Lin already played 25 minutes. He got a standing go going in. You know, the crowd was very heartwarming towards him, which I, I loved. I mean, it's always great to see that even – you know, uh, who else got a standing O yesterday? I think it was Isaiah Thomas returning from 11, 11-month hip surgery. So it, it was great. It's great to see the fans do that. But, yeah, I, I, I agree with what you said. I think this is a really high-reward type move in that if Jeremy Lin is healthy, he who knows, maybe he could drop 16 a game. He could be that spark on your bench, kind of like what we saw last year with Van Fleet and with OG. But, again, like – I'm looking at this team finally, and I don't see a lot of holes anymore. I mean, last year and the year before that, when we were in the playoffs, we had guys like Damari Carroll. We had guys like CJ Miles. They were coming in. They were eating about 25 minutes, and they were literally doing nothing. And I'm looking at this lineup, and it's like we look pretty balanced. Yes, we have a couple guys that are kind of like no names, like Patrick McCaw and the guy that they signed, I think it's, what's his name, Miller or, I don't yeah, know, Malcolm, Malcolm Miller. Yeah, Malcolm. So I'm looking at this team and it's like, yes, we have a lot of star power. Yes, we have a lot of names that the fans are familiar with. And I think that as long as these new guys and Jeremy Lin and Marcus Gasol can adjust to Nick Nurse's game, why can't we finish first in the East? I can see it happening. I mean, I, I love the Sixers team. I've been praising them since they got Harris. But again, I don't know if their chemistry is going to mesh well i think they have too many superstars on one team we all saw what happened with butler in in minnesota that was just a wreck um and beat is a character simmons is a character so this team when you look at the raptors there's not really a lot of characters like they're just guys that go out there and they play basketball Kawhi leonard he is the most like no emotion type guy he goes out there just does his thing he doesn't even do a lot of like uh post games that i've noticed he doesn't do a lot so he, he does his job, and then he just gets off the court, goes to the back, and just goes home. And the, I think it's perfect because the fan base in Toronto is the noise. We, we don't need a guy that's all about the bright lights and all about, you know, oh, I'm here to, to please the crowd. I'm here to entertain. Yes, you're here to entertain, but you're here to entertain with the end with, you know, you're a basketball player. You're not an actor. Yeah. There's so many times that I see in the media where guys like, Lance Stevenson or guys like Lonzo Ball or guys like LeVar Ball like guys that want to they think they're bigger than the whole NBA themselves I feel like the Raptors don't have a player like that and that can make them go to the next level and I think that's what makes them a quiet contender like not a lot of people I know that we're a we're in a Canadian market and like for some odd reason the you know the NBA analysts in America apparently they don't like every time I watch Stephen A. Smith and those guys, they never mention the Raptors. They yeah. always mention the Celtics, the, the Sixers, Sixers, the Bucks, anybody but the Raptors. So I don't know if it's because we don't have a character like a, or like a super, super, superstar that goes out to the media every night. We do have a superstar. He just doesn't talk. But I don't know, guys. What are your thoughts on the Raptors? Do you think they could take take on the Celtics, take on the Bucks? Do you think they could... Do you think any team could really beat them other than the Warriors in a seven-game series? I think they could. Like, even though Milwaukee's in first, I think the Raptors are a better team. Like, if they go to a playoff series, I wouldn't be, like, saying, oh, God, they're matched up with Milwaukee. It's the end of the world. And you look at the Eastern Conference standings, the sixth-place team is, like, under 500. So the East isn't strong compared to the West. And 
I think if the Raptors can go by the first round in four games and sweep, like we've never seen them. They always have trouble against the team, whether it be Milwaukee when they were just coming up. It took them like five or six games to close them out. Indiana was a seven-game series. So Miami. They, yeah, they need a first round where they can sweep them, get the rest they need, and I think that's where they go all out to the finals. But I don't really see a team beating them other than the Celtics is the best because the Sixers, they have too many holes in their game off the bench and a lot of egos they got to manage. So I like the Raptors in the East. Uh, just, I want to go back to Kawhi for a sec because uh, his different personality, you said. I feel like more teams need that. Just the quiet guy that goes out there and gets the job done. And for me, that's why I, in the East, I don't see anyone going through the Raps because no one has a player like that that can shut it down on the court. It also, it comes, we got to get pretty lucky with Lowry playing and Gasol there. But, you know, I think we got it, and Leonard's the real reason why I think the Raps are the team to beat in the East. Like another guy that I haven't even really talked about is Danny Green. He's He brings that leadership. He's kind of another guy where like he talks to the media, but he's not like an egomaniac. Like he yeah. goes out there and he basically says what he needs to say, and that's it. He's a great leader in the locker room. I think that's one of the best trades that the Raptors have made in a long time. I know a lot of fans, they really bashed on the trade because, again, we traded our franchise guy in DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan was probably one of my favorite players, but again, I'm getting back one of my favorite players in Kawhi Leonard. So like Pinello said, like I think teams do need a guy like Kawhi where, yeah, you go out there, you drop 27 in the night, you drop, what, like three steals. You, you just do everything out there and you don't even say a word. You go out there, you do your thing, you, go, you get off the court. Why do you think guys like Paul George have been getting praise lately? He does the exact same thing that Kawhi Leonard does. And you know what? It's good that he's an MVP conversation because – more teams need that. Yes, you have the Russell Westbrook that go, he, he dresses in construction gear going to the court and he's all about triple doubles and he says, I'm the best and I'm not phased by anybody. And he, he, he is an egomaniac. He's all about himself. But then you have a guy that can kind of reflect perfectly in Paul George where he goes out there. He's arguably outplaying Westbrook and he's not saying anything. He's just going out there and playing. So like you said, you there are a lot of egomaniacs on the Sixers. I think that could be a problem as well. We saw earlier on in the year, Golden State, they have, yes, they're unreal. But again, the Eagles can get to them. KD has been a problem with the media lately. Draymond Green, his whole career has been a problem with the media. The only guy that like is basically not a problem there is Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, the Splash Brothers, because again, they just go out there and they drain threes. They do whatever they want. It is Curry's franchise. It is yeah. his team. A lot of people would say it's KD's. It's no, not a yeah, KD's. Steph Curry, he was the one drafted and brought. Like he's a reason why those guys wanted to consider going to Golden State. The, the, be, the best shooter of all time. All that we could get into that. But um, another team that I quickly want to talk about, not in the East, it's the West. It's OKC, and I want to talk about Denver. Do you guys think that these guys can beat Golden State at all? You think they have a shot at beating them? Uh, OKC would be a nice story just because Westbrook getting over Kevin Durant and then Paul George is a great two-way player but I just don't see it Uh, Golden State have way too many weapons over OKC and OKC they have Steven Adams but he's not like an offensive center that you can count on and get like 35 points a game like what uh, Golden State have and they have Draymond Green who can shoot threes and then they have Boogie Cousins so I don't think the matchup is like would help him out in that and then even if you go in the East, a comparable would be like Boston. Kyrie Irving is like Curry with the media saying, oh, I don't know if I want to stay here next year. That's up to me. Before he's saying, oh, I'm definitely staying. So they got drama with Kyrie Irving, similar in Golden State with Kevin Durant. So right now, if all these teams just implode in their own dressing rooms, the Raptors can swoop in and take over. I think this is a year that they can take advantage of this stuff, maybe hype up the media a bit. I still think even if the Raps go to the finals, like the media in America is not even going to really mention them that much. It's going to be like, oh, it's going to be Kawhi Leonard versus the Warriors. It'll be a nice four-game series. <laughs> like, oh. We get our passports for two games and we go home. <laughs> we'll try. We'll try. I'll try to go watch a game, but that's not going to happen. But, yeah, that's basically it for NBA today. Uh, not a lot to really discuss. But, again, the Raps did make a big splash getting Gasol and Lynn. Hopefully they finish first in the East. I mean, Giannis is a freak, and he dropped a triple-double last night. And uh, they're not losing. So 
Um, hopefully, uh, the Raptors can uh, shut all the uh, American analysts' mouths and uh, finally get some recognition and go to the NBA Finals. Let's let's just wait and see, though. I don't want to. I don't want to get our hopes up. <laughs> so now let's go into the ring WWE. We are experts in that. As we all know, this Sunday is the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. Um, we're basically going to go through the card quickly. I just want to quickly discuss what are you guys most looking forward to? Uh, for me, it's the the women's tag team titles. This is long overdue. Women's wrestling has been promoted in every single promotion around the world except here. And they're finally doing it with the tag titles. And they got a lot of good teams in there, so it should be fun. Yeah, I'm going looking forward to that. The women's elimination chamber, especially all these teams, they actually have some good storylines going in with like Mandy Rose and Naomi. And then on the Raw side, <laughs> you got Sasha Banks and Bailey, and uh, you got the Riot Squad in there. So there's built in rivalries in this match, so it can go either way. And I uh, like that. I like the men's elimination chamber match. We got a nice story there with uh, Kofi Kingston in it. So those two matches, I'm in for. I totally agree. I think the two chamber matches are the matches that. We're all we're looking forward to most, but I want to mention one. I want to mention one match that no one else has really mentioned that I want to. I want to. I'm very excited for is Shane McMahon and The Miz oh versus The Usos because they are the best <laughs> tag team in the world. I'm totally kidding. No, I, I, I didn't mean that, but yeah, no, I'm looking forward to the WWE Championship match. I think the most because again, it's like the biggest thing here on the show. But I wouldn't be surprised if the tag team. Elimination Chamber closed it because it is making history. Like we saw at the TLC uh, pay-per-view when, uh, you know, Becky and all them, the first ever TLC match, that closed. The first ever Royal Rumble, that closed. So I guess there's kind of like a, you know, there's a recurring theme coming. So I wouldn't be surprised if it closed. But let's get into the card. Uh, first match on the show we will probably see is the handicap match for the WWE Intercontinental Championship. You got Leo Rush and Bobby Lashley versus Finn Balor. What are you guys' thoughts on this? I'm kind of disappointed um, that Finn Balor is back in this position, but I guess it's it's a win for Bobby Lashley. What are you guys' thoughts on this? Did, did you say pre-show? No, no, I didn't. I didn't even mention a pre-show. So I, just, I guess I'm getting that nightmare already. Just, I feel like that's one of those matches that could be there if certain things go on too long, which would be a shame for all three of them. But for the actual match, I wanna I wanna leave it on Bobby. I like what him and Leo are doing right now. Bobby finally has some uh, charisma, some personality since finally coming back to the WWE. So I'm, I'm liking that story, but Finn's definitely got a... It, it's tough with Finn. He finds himself in something like every few months, it seems like. And he always seems like, okay, this is when he's going to get over the hump, and then it doesn't happen. And it's like, oh, maybe the IC title, and then, you know, we'll see where it goes. But it should be a fun match. I'm taking Bobby Lashley as the winner. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, Leo Rush and Bobby Lashley, like with Leo Rush in it, I think being a handicap match, it's going to cause a lot of uh, shenanigans in this. So I see Leo Rush maybe getting himself disqualified so Bobby Lashley can keep the title. And then we're going to see a rematch at Fastlane. I think this is going to be a rivalry that's like two months. And, you know, I like what you said about Finn Balor because he has he was just in a universal title match with like the biggest name on Raw. And he took him to like a 20-minute match or 8-minute match, like back and forth. So I don't know with Finn Balor what they're doing, but I like what Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush are doing. I think this is going to lead to something where we saw our good Canadian uh, hero, Kevin Owens, get a gutter ball. He's this guy's like the everyday man. He just <laughs> gutter balls, goes to the ring. He's not like an athletic freak athlete like Bobby Lashley. He shows up, does his job. I think that's a match that's going to end up happening at WrestleMania. Yeah, I totally agree. I love Finn Balor. Um, he's, again, in a situation where I don't want him in. I, like, I feel like he's in limbo again. They teased him at the Royal Rumble. He actually got in a way more offense than anybody I can at least remember against Lesnar. Maybe Daniel Bryan. I don't remember. But he looked great in that match. And then again, the next night, we see Bobby Lashley attack Finn on Raw. And then now we have this. Again, I love what Lashley's done. I also love what Finn has done over the last month and a half. I don't think you need to give the IC title to Finn Balor. I still think Finn Balor should be the first guy in line if Rollins wins the belt. I'm, I'm only saying if because I have no idea what with Lesnar anymore. I, like He could retain and I wouldn't even be surprised. I think Finn Balor and Seth Rollins should feud for it after Mania. And I feel like if they were to give Finn Balor the Intercontinental title... 
Um, it would be here at the Elimination Chamber, and then I'd probably have Finn Balor maybe take on Kevin Owens at WrestleMania because I feel like that's more of like a marquee matchup that people want to see. But again, I feel like a lot of people want to see Kevin Owens come back as a face. Yeah. I really don't. It doesn't matter to me because I love Kevin Owens. I, it doesn't matter if he comes back heel face. He's brilliant regardless. And Finn Balor, I feel like he would definitely – it would elevate him as well if he were to be in a program with Kevin Owens instead of Bobby. But I'm going to say Bobby retains here and he keeps his uh, wonderful uh, – and his <laughs> his his unreal uh, – all I keep thinking in my head is Lashley. Like, it's so funny. Just Leo Rush. Lashley. Lashley. And, da- and dabbing him up and stuff. So I love that. So I'm going to say he retains, but enough of that. Now we're going to get into the no DQ match between Strowman and Corbin. Who really cares? That's what I was going to open with. <laughs> like, I don't really care. Like, two big names. Well, not even big names, but like Strowman has been teased for years now and he hasn't done anything. And now you're putting him in a no DQ match against Baron Corbin. We've seen this what three months in a row. Like it's been a while. Come on, like you got to move on with Baron Corbin. I've been saying this for a while. Move him to SmackDown. Like just shake it up. Do something. I don't care if it's a random shake up or like a backstage segment where you say, okay, Corbin, you're going to SmackDown. I hate how you have to wait for like the actual shake up to do it. They finally announced it though. Yeah, international. It's going to be in Montreal international superstar shakeup. okay good after wrestlemania they said that one time and then three years and nothing now we finally got it like fuck man like like i feel like they should do it whenever they want yeah because like corbin on raw has been the worst thing like he's (laughs) been so stale like the same shit and now you're getting braun Strowman and in an odq match and yeah it's an odq match it's probably gonna be brutal but it's gonna be predictable i think drew's gonna come out help baron and then you're going to see Drew and Braun at Mania. That's my opinion. I know you don't want to hear that. I really don't. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Corbin winning here. I'm going to go with Corbin just for the exact same reason. I think Drew is going to come out. They just pretty much gave it away, too. Like on Raw the other week, they gave it away. There's a faction going. And then Kurt Angle's going to probably eventually make his way to the ring. Yeah, limping. <laughs> he's going to start running when his music hits, and it's going to look as uncomfortable as it did on Monday. And... Kurt Angle's going to get involved, and we'll see Kurt Angle, Baron Corbin, for his last match. Holy uh, shit, no. Poor guy. Yeah, I'll go with uh, what you guys said. I do like how Baron still has like the dress shirt. The no, pants. I don't like that. <laughs> Just to give you the illusion that he's still running the show. So I'll give him props for that. Oh, my God. So we all say Braun wins. I mean, uh, wow, we all say Baron wins. Yeah. Um, the next match we have is, again, it's going to be the Miz and Shane versus the Usos for the tag titles. Who you guys got here? Give it to the Usos. The feud's finally going to start. That one-month celebration with Shane and Miz is finally over. Usos will win their sixth. Is it six tag team titles? Yeah, it's up there. Holy shit. And then we can finally move on to the Shane versus Miz match that everyone wants to see. Everybody wants to see. That's like part of the whole build-up to WrestleMania, <laughs> the World Cup trophy. Oh, God. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know that... I think the Usos are going to win this, but I think Shane is going to turn on them on SmackDown not at the pay-per-view, and then they'll say, oh, we're still a team, and then he'll turn on him this build-up to WrestleMania. But the, the, that promo that the Miz cut on SmackDown, where he's like, oh, see, we're a team too. Shane, what's my favorite color? Then he whispers in his ear, it's blue. And then he tells him, what's my favorite food? And then he tells him, and then it's like, see, we're a team. And then the Usos brought their line. So the Miz has been able to make the best out of a bad situation, but I don't know how they're going to – have a match at WrestleMania without Shane McMahon doing five shooting star presses and all this stuff because The Miz, he's going to take some punishment to make uh, the guy look, the executive look like a world champion. Well, last the last month when they beat the uh, when they beat the bar, that match to me was probably as good as it probably would have been. Yeah, we saw the shooting star; it was pretty good. But The Miz, I noticed in that match. Had no offense, didn't break a sweat. It was all Shane. If anything, I could see that match and what happened in that match making Shane McMahon turn on The Miz. Be like, when we won the titles, I did all the work, you did nothing. That's kind of uh, how it started, actually. Yeah. Remember at Survivor Series oh, he was like, when oh, Miz yes, kept pushing him to do the, what's it called, the springboard? Yeah. He did that like three times. He's like, yeah, you're fine. Do it again. Do it again. And Miz is just chilling in the corner there. So I don't know if I don't know if the Miz is gonna be the face or Shane McMahon's gonna be the face. I feel like the Miz is gonna be the heel here. I don't I don't know why. I don't think that's good, but 
heel Miz is the best. So and you have to make him face now because like the last two months you've been having him get the crowd reaction that they want as sort of a face. So I think they're gonna because he even brought his dad out to say, "Oh, my dad's dream," or so they kind of like for him to turn heel after that that would be <laughs> pretty bad. So I think Shane's gonna turn heel, but even in this match, like I agree, like. Shane McMahon's an executive, and he's looking so strong, and he's the one who gets the hot tag where The Miz, a former WrestleMania headliner, WWE <laughs> champion, has to crawl to the executive who's like 50 years old. Isn't he like, like a nine? Is he an eight-time Intercontinental or nine-time? I think eight-time. Yeah. Beautiful. He's there. So yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm also going to go with the Usos winning here. Um, actually, I want to bring up quickly on SmackDown the Usos mic work yeah. because I don't know when they started becoming like – unreal talkers i didn't know when they were good on the but like i saw that promo and i was like holy shit these guys are these guys are good on the mic i didn't i didn't expect that at all i mean you go back what two years when they were feuding with the new day every pay-per-view and they were stealing the show those were good good promos too like when they first turned heel i assume the usos are heel again because they were faced like i'd say two weeks ago and now i guess they're back heel but i don't really mind that for me the scariest thing though with the usos title reign come after this pay-per-view is who do they feud with like that's like that's my shinsuke and rusev <laughs> oh yeah that's a new team i think it's time for a little shake-up <laughs> like they're uh like they're promoting so i don't know if sanity maybe like they've been doing nothing oh, yeah that'd be one uh maybe an nxt call up because everyone's been used on smackdown quite a few times I wouldn't mind seeing the Usos versus the Bar, though. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind it. They have riches over there. Oh man. But yeah, Usos win that one. And now we're gonna go into the singles match for the cruiserweight. This will probably be on the pre-show. Buddy Murphy and Akira. For me, easy. They've been teasing Akira actually for a bit to kind of get the title, but I don't see it happening. Buddy Murphy's the star on the show, so that's my take. Don't have a lot to say. He's a former two-time champ, right? Buddy. No, Akira. Remember when he, uh, he oh, beat he Neville? Titus Worldwide, yeah. <laughs> oh, shit, really? He came it was a while ah, ago. Ah. It was on Raw. That's when they were... Like, the 205 stuff was, like, brand new. They had the purple robes, and they come in with, like, everything. Oh, they dress God. up the ring. And <laughs> but, yeah, Buddy should retain here. I don't think Akira's the guy to dethrone the best-kept secret. I don't know. Who do you think would be the best guy to take it off him? I still think they're trying to figure that out. Because if it wasn't Mustafa and it wasn't Cedric, you're still there's some searching there. Because I don't know if Tazawa is. He doesn't have any character. He's been doing the ha thing for like four years. <laughs> ha! <laughs> That's all I know about him. Yeah, I don't. See, I see Buddy Murphy retaining, but Akira Tozawa did take a shot at Neville. He's like, "Oh, that's what the King of the Cruiserweights said," and I took his title. Oh. I like how he dropped some bombs in there, Akira Tozawa. He wasn't just saying "ha ha" like ten thousand <laughs> times. So I think Buddy Murphy's going to retain. And another name that I think could be a challenger, um, WWE signed the guy from New Japan, Kushida, who was like in Japan. He was. Uh, the time splitter, I think it was his gimmick. It's like a Back to the Future type character. And he was like their cruiserweight or junior heavyweight, they call it down there. He was like their main guy for like 10 years. So if he comes in, they would have to build him up like similar to what NXT does, where they have all these video packages. But 205 Live isn't really getting the exposure that NXT does. So maybe a guy like that coming in would put more eyeballs on their product and WrestleMania I, match on the card. I know this is risky to say, but would you have Ricochet... I was kind of thinking Beat that. Buddy Murphy at WrestleMania <laughs> for the Cruiserweight title. I feel Be- like people would lose their mind. Like, some people would love it, and then some people would just... Like, Shit on it. Yeah. Like, this guy should be yeah. Universal Champion. What the fuck's he on the fifth show or whatever? I mean, I think it's a start. Like, look what happened. Like, it's not like you can't go to the main roster. We've seen it with Ali. Like, yeah. I feel like that'd be a perfect thing. You bring... Like, le- like remember how the Hardys came back? Like you could have Buddy Murphy in the middle of the ring. It's like, oh, I don't have a, I don't have a, a match at Mania. What is this? And then Ricochet comes out, and then they tear the house down. And then Ricochet wins the cruiserweight title. What would it be opposed to it? And then I, I, I would assume that more people would finally be invested in it, just like when Neville won. And then we all know that Enzo beat him, and then it went down to shit. But I think if Ricochet were to face Buddy Murphy at WrestleMania, that is a match that internet fans look at that and they're like. Holy shit, where has this been all my life? So was that one on the pre-show? No. See, no. no. Neville and Austin Aries? (laughs) Oh, yeah. You can't... Yeah, that is true. Fuck. But I I, I wouldn't have Ricochet on the pre-show. There's no way. 
But again, it's WWE. They put Aries and Neville on the pre-show. So, But yeah, we all say Buddy Murphy there. Uh, next up we have is only two more matches. We got Ronda, uh, three more matches. Ronda Rousey, Ruby Riot. This is a wash. Yeah, Ronda's going to I really don't like how they're just feeding. They're just going to give, you know, Ruby a, another another loss. And it's just not right for her. I think they should implement a rule that after the Royal Rumble, there should be no world title defenses up yeah. until Mania. Because it's a foregone conclusion that Ronda's going to make her tap in like the seventh minute. And yeah. it's not going to do anything for Ruby. I think this match is going to go like three minutes, like oh, to be God. honest. Because you saw Charlotte now coming in. And they want to make like Ronda as the most dominant champion possible. Because we haven't seen Asuka on TV. So they're trying to put in your minds, oh, Ronda's like the only champion here that's worth making mention of. Because Asuka's not on the show. And she's a SmackDown champ. So I think right now Ronda's just going to win in like two minutes. But but I feel like the one woman that shouldn't get that treatment is Ruby. I feel like she's the one woman on Raw. You look at her and it's like you are going to be a women's champion when Ronda gets the hell out of here. I know I guarantee you Vince is in the back looking at her. It's like I know your time is not now, but your time will come. So just take these five minutes, suck it up. You'll lose. You'll learn from it. And that's it. I feel like that's what he basically said to Ruby because, again, Ronda's beaten everybody. Even Ronda beat Bailey for the title on Raw. I've completely forgot about that. Did she? Uh, has she pinned all of the horsewomen? No, Ronda? she beat she beat uh, Sasha Banks. She beat she made Bailey tap. So both of them tap out. Uh, she beat Charlotte technically by disqualification. The only one she has to beat is Becky Lynch. So that's the one at WrestleMania. If Becky like the storyline there, that's where Becky comes out on top. But yeah. Or she might make her tap out, and that's a four horse woman that WWE cool. she beat. <laughs> I don't Imagine. think Ronda's winning that. No, she can't win that. If she, she wins that, that is going to be uh, a Brock Lesnar all over again. And because uh, I know they want to do at Survivor Series a four horse woman versus horse four horse women, so I think Ronda's going to drop the title at Mania and take some few months off, and probably come back by November. I, th- I think that'd be perfect. Can you see that happening before she takes the time off? Because like Shayna Baszler is doing some amazing stuff at NXT, yeah. she's getting a lot popular. And I think maybe the Raw after Mania, because Shayna Baszler drops the title, because she won the title again. I thought they were going to do that the Royal Rumble, have her come out and. I thought Bayley. I thought she was going to lose to Belair, to be honest, but that didn't happen. And but yeah, Baszler's uh, she's looking like a true star, and um, she's the top woman by far in NXT, at least in my eyes, and. She's just got the overall, like, ev- she's got everything going for her. She's even got the two, I don't know their names, yeah. the two uh, girls. Jessamyn yeah. Duke and yeah. Marina Shafir. She has those two behind her. She, you know, she basically is going as the baddest woman, basically kind of what Ronda's doing, but kind of more, yeah. like, like, so, <laughs> like, Shayna Baszler coming up, feuding with, I don't know, Becky Lynch, maybe, like, after Raw, I think that would kind of, like... That like this is the problem with me moving forward is like if Ronda does end up losing and I think she will, if she like if that's like her moment in the summer it's okay like because we've all seen articles where it's like I want to start a family like I want to kind of take a break if she loses at Mania she bye like she goes on Ross's bye like it's been fun I'll be back whatever you know that yeah because she signed into like twenty twenty one or something yeah like, like she'll that. do like that you know that that promo leave and then maybe you have becky lynch say oh i you know i beat ronda who's my next challenger then you have Baze, and then Ra- rousey comes out again and says oh i have a good friend and then baszler comes out and then that can maybe be a program for about two months but again it's too good to be true yeah. so like i don't I think at the royal rumble they should have had Shayna baszler come out and her and becky like go at it and then you could have had the storyline there of the four horsewomen of like wwe getting one over them and have Bailey eliminate her or Sasha, and then they could have started a whole new feud out of that. I think they're counting too much on Ronda Rousey right now, and then when she's gone, they're going to be like, okay, now how do we build someone else up from NXT? Well, look look what they're doing with Asuka. Yeah. They've invested so much in <laughs> Becky and Charlotte out. going at it, and it's like, oh, yeah, uh, Asuka's the champ, but we have, no one, since TLC. <laughs> we have no one to feud you with. Who are we going to put you against? Uh, Zelina Vega? Like, no. like Mandy She's Rose not ready yet. Yes. I think I'd love that, it's but... <laughs> Yeah, so we all agree that uh, Ronda Rousey's beating Ruby. Uh, Ruby's not the girl to go through this treatment, but it's a shame, but she will have her time eventually. Um, up next we have is, of course, the WWE Championship Elimination Chamber. 
Um, we got Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, Hardy, Orton, Joe, and Kingston. But one thing I want to bring up before we talk about this is Tuesday night's Kofi Kingston's performance. Does this mean anything? Because, again, seven years ago, we saw a similar thing happen with Santino Morella. Do you remember that when everyone was pushing him, the whole Rocky segment? I do. Who is he in the finals with? Daniel Bryan. All right. (laughs) Can you see a Kofi Kingston do a similar thing except win it? I don't know if – I don't think he'll win. I know you might be on the other side of this, but give me the new Daniel Bryan. He's too hot right now. That fucking unbelievably beautiful title he's got. Made out of wood and weed. <laughs> the guy, is, he's so good at being annoying. You just want to punch him in the face. But at the same, the same time, you want to see him succeed because he's doing so well with what he's doing. So for me, the new Daniel Bryan will retain. If you had to, I know this is tough, but if you had to base on eliminations, like in the orders, who would you have? I'd probably have Hardy go out one. Yeah. I know for a fact I want Joe to go the limit because every time he's in one of these things, he seems to be the first one out. And it's, it's supposed to be like a surprise thing, but everyone ends up getting pissed off because Joe's usually like the predicted winner to go far. The one thing I'm very happy with that they've done with Joe is remember when we watched Survivor Series and he got shit on and he got eliminated right away? I love how they kind of boosted him back to being, you know, credible and, you know, being a threat again. Because when I saw that, I looked at you and I was like, what are they, what are they doing with him? Like unless Drew eliminates the rest within 10 minutes. This doesn't make sense. And it, it didn't make sense. So do you remember that? He just yeah. eliminated Joe. Joe was coming off a four-month, or maybe not four-month, but like a two-and-a-half-month feud with AJ for the main belt. Gets eliminated right away. When we looked at that SmackDown team, we're like, oh, Joe is the fucking best guy there. And he gets eliminated. It's like, holy shit, what the hell is this? Right. They got Shane and Mysterio. They'll be oh, fine. They'll be good. They didn't even put Orton in that. But, uh, yeah, I'd, have Je- I'd definitely have Jeff get eliminated first because he is, to me, the least – I mean, we saw back and forth, um, you know, uh, backstage segments with Hardy and Styles, which I thought was pretty good. But to me, it still doesn't really mean anything. I still think Hardy should be the first one out. Um, In terms of like the other four, though, or the other five, I think it could go either way because Randy Orton, we never know if he's going to get a push because like he could get one out of nowhere because he is Randy Orton. AJ Styles, another guy. He lost the title two months ago. Wouldn't be surprised if he won here. Samoa Joe's another guy we've seen. He's He's got a lot of momentum right now. And then all of a sudden, the guy that has the most momentum right now is probably Kofi Kingston going into this match. So I have no... I'd love, I've always loved the chamber matches in that it's unpredictable. But I actually read an article not too long ago where they need more title changes at these elimination chambers. Because there have not been a lot, if you look at it over the years. It's tough because it's it's just before Mania. And when they do that, they kind of go back on all their plans. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I like the unpredictability aspect of that. I know, like, you're kind of going, like, you're taking a big risk in, like, forward in the future. Like, remember what they did with uh, with Cena and with uh, with Edge at, at that at that pay-per-view in, was it, 09? The, the Chamber 09. Do you remember that? Edge was in two of them. That was amazing. Yeah. Like, oh, that, yeah, that's that's the shit hit, you need to do. Like, shit. just, like, before the card, it's like, oh, yeah, Cena's going to be WWE champ going in. It's like, oh, yeah, Edge is the world champion. And then he just comes out and he's, it's like, uh, booking like that, I just miss so much. I mean, you're looking at it now and it's like, okay, Jack Swagger won that number one contender Chamber and that was unpredictable. I didn't think that would happen. 20, what was it? Um... I think that was WrestleMania 29. I think. Yeah. What was it? 20, 2014, the chamber uh, for the title when uh, when Orton had it. A lot of people wanted Daniel Bryan to win, and Orton retained. A lot of people, didn't, I think it was the year after that. Um, I'm trying to remember. Maybe not 2015, but 20. The one with Styles, was that 2017? 2017. Oh. 2017 with Wyatt winning. See, that was good. I didn't expect that to happen. That was when they debuted the new structure. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. 2016, was there even a chamber? I'm sure there was. I yeah. can't really. Don't I can't, yeah, I don't really remember the last couple of years. But if you go back like um, before 2013, there's majority of the time the champion would come out on top. Yeah. And I feel like we need something different. Yes, Daniel Bryan's the hottest champion. He has a new title belt for himself. 
But what what a great way to start like a new season and having like a surprise Samoa Joe win and him winning the belt and finally getting his moment. I think for him too, specifically, it's well overdue. So He's like been putting on these amazing stories the last year or so. Like like I feel like if they were to do that, yeah, like a lot of pe- like some people like would be a little bit kind of baffled and be like, why are they taking it off Brian? But at the same time, you need that unpredictability. And it's like, oh, yeah, wow, yeah. Like, I forgot Samoa Joe was a threat. And now he's a WWE champion going into the show of shows. So, uh, to me, I'm going to go with Samoa Joe winning here because I want to see that unpredictability. And I think he finally deserves – I think he deserves it. And what a better way to conclude a long-term feud. Final two, Samoa Joe and AJ Styles. And Samoa wins. That's that's how I would look Randy it. Randy Orton hitting him with the RKO to set up a match at WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> AJ Orton. But uh-huh. – yeah, I agree with you. I want to see up until Tuesday, actually, I had Samoa oh. Joe winning. I had Samoa Joe just because the promos he cut, they're vicious. The ones he said on Jeff Hardy, oh, it's an my. AA meeting and just keep your mouth shut and listen. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then uh, AJ goes up to him and he's like, well, how's our girl Wendy doing? And I love that. Everything. Goes right in his face. He goes, by the way, how's our girl Wendy doing? And Randy our Orton. girl. Yeah, our girl. You mentioned that. And Randy Orton was there trying to like not break character because he was cracking up on how vicious <laughs> Samoa Joe is. But on Tuesday, I saw Kofi. When I saw that, I'm like, this would be an amazing surprise if Kofi Kingston can win the WWE title. He's never won the title. Like, he's been pretty close in the past. He, even the Money in the Bank, he got that pop when the New Day were in. And Holy were shit, yeah, he did. So I'd love to see Kofi get a surprise win. Even if it's, like, a one-month title reign, I think he's deserved it. And this would be cool to see the New Day, all champions at the same time, going around with Kofi Kingston as a champ and... Big E probably would say, oh, I'm going to defend it for Kofi tonight against um, Mustafa Ali or someone. So that would be cool. Kofi Kingston walking I think, I think, yeah, the thing with Kofi Kingston and the New Day is if the, if he were what if he were to win the WWE Championship, a lot of fans wouldn't even be bothered by it because the New Day are just so entertaining and I feel like they would make it work. Like, just picture having that celebration. Kofi as the champion and then you have, like, Big E and Xavier and they're, like, just basically doing all this fun shit and then brian will interfere and then the new day will basically bash him i i could i could easily see that happening but again like i feel like that's just i can't see kofi with the wwe title i can't see it it would also open up possibilities like uh wrestlemania you can even have the new day triple threat for the wwe title if they want to go down that road they can even do kofi versus uh like someone else like daniel bryan let's say daniel bryan is the last one Maybe, because since he has Eric Rowan in his corner, what if we see the return of Bray Wyatt with Luke Harper, who hasn't been out, who's been out for a while, and you start that feud? Because Daniel Bryan doesn't really have an opponent going into WrestleMania. There are a lot of uh, a lot of different scenarios that could happen in this match. The only person coming out of this with no program is probably Jeff Hardy. Yeah, brother Nero. Yeah, and, U.S. title again. <laughs> Let's go. Bring that um, Hardy back. <laughs> but just picture on a show of SmackDown. With Kofi Kingston as your WWE champion and R-Truth as your <laughs> United States champion. That, that is something that would never get out of my mind. If I would saw those two together, I would purposely take a picture and I would save it to my phone and I would send it to you every morning and be like, this is the life we're living in. Former tag team champions finally get their and don't shot. forget maybe shinsuke and rusev as tag champs you can do shinsuke with that pose where he's like twitching and doing that thing to the title <laughs> what a wacky show that would be wow that i'm so excited for the chamber match now i i don't know why i think kingston being in it instead of ali just opens yeah, so many so more funny. options we what just that? talked about a potential six-man tag like so many different options it's like you almost forgot how good he was because he's yeah. been doing the new day stuff for so long and then they, they throw him on SmackDown and say, you have an hour. Just go out there and be Kofi. And then you realize, like, this guy can be an option. And then uh, we're starting to see too. it now. That was cool. Like, he's That's another fun. guy where, like, we're like, oh, we're tired of him. Like, he's stale. Like, we haven't seen him as a potential singles threat in a decade. And now he's coming out here and he's doing this. It's like, holy shit, man. Like, can this guy actually do it? Like, I don't know. That's a question we all have to ask ourselves. But... I'm going to say Samoa Joe wins, You're, you say Kofi, yeah, you say Kofi. and you say Daniel Bryan. We all have different guys, so that's uh, that's pretty pretty interesting. One thing, though, do you guys think that they'll go with the WWE title? Because Daniel Bryan trashed it when he brought this eco-friendly title. Do you see like a new design coming, or do you want to see them bring a WWE title from the past back? 
if you had the chance to i'm not gonna fan. lie i love the one right before this one the one that styles had that's the one i want uh yeah I want that. <laughs> when you say past i just immediately think of the spinner no no and that's like that. a fuck no so anything after <laughs> that, that toy give me what we just had i want that <laughs> attitude era title back that one with the blue thing in the middle that triple h used to wear in austin or that winged eagle one that bret hart used to wear i'm not gonna lie I, I like the one that jbl had that like one, the one with the, the one with the one with Lesnar, yeah, that that, that one. Cool. That's a good anything one. Anything but the spinner, I'm good. With. Yes, any, anything but uh, no. Even the one that Rock brought, well, was yeah. that was brutal too. They all look like to- Mattel toys. Yeah, what the hell is that? And then finally, to end the chamber, we have the tag elimination chamber match for the women's tag team championships. We have the boring ass team of Nia and Tamina. We have the Riot Squad. We got Mandy and Sonya, the Iconics, Bailey and Sasha, and Naomi and Carmella. Who is the team to watch out for most in this match? For me, it is the Riot Squad because they are the only cohesive unit, the consistent, only consistent cohesive unit the last, whenever they debuted the last few years or so. And I really like them. I want to see a heel team take this. And uh, I want to say the Riot Squad. You know what? As I was like, throwing it out there, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville have actually, like, since Tough Enough, like, going back and I've seen some of their stuff there. They've improved a lot since then. And Mandy Rose especially, like, this program with Naomi, she's cutting promos and really making a feud because Naomi was the champ at one point. They're not going to make her face Asuka because they need to spread around the talent and it can help improve everyone else. So those two I wouldn't be – I'd look out for in the match. Uh, I feel like the team that doesn't get the credit – that they deserve going into this is Naomi and Carmella. I feel like they're two, they're two former WWE Women's Champions. Yes, they're a team that's thrown together, but like I wouldn't be surprised if they won this. They are good. They are good. No one can deny that. I would not. I would not be surprised if they won this. But at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if they're the first eliminated. That's just how I look at it. Um, I don't want to see Bailey and Sasha win this. The only reason, because it would be the predictable outcome. This is like kind of a thing where if Bailey Sasha went, it's like, oh, okay, I saw it coming. Like, now what? They're going to feud with Trish and Lita at Mania? Because that's what's been rumored for about a year now. To me, I agree with Pinello. I need a heel team to win this, whether it's uh, Mandy and Sonya or it's the Riot Squad. I'm going to go with Mandy and Sonya, though, winning this. I feel like SmackDown needs it more right now. So um, I'm going to go with those to winning it i think mandy rose is gonna have a monster year yeah i see her challenging oscar after wrestlemania i think she's gonna be i wouldn't like rule out as being a women's champion by SummerSlam when it comes over here so that's i am my, all in for mandy i love I just, her uh, i just want to say if, if you rewatch their stuff from tough enough you would never expect them no, to yeah. be where they are today so back to your point both of them really have grown leaps and bounds and expect big things so overall, who do you think, elimination-wise, again, the order, how would you book this? I think I'd have the, I think I'd have the Iconics go out first. I was going to say them or Mela and uh, Naomi. I would have uh, the Iconics go out last with Sasha and Bailey, Like, them two, this final two, because the Iconics were the only ones that debuted as a tag team. Like, when they made that debut, they were the only ones where they didn't come in as a singles, like, like entity like from NXT where they had that build up and then they come out. Peyton Royce was in that uh, women's battle royal. I don't think with Fabulous Moolah, I think they got rid of the name after, so they just name it the women's battle royal. So <laughs> she was in that, but like it wasn't a big debut. Like it wasn't considered like a debut where she came out. So the iconics, I think, the last two, and then you see Sasha and Bailey win and go to feud with Trish and Lita at WrestleMania for that attraction matchup. I think uh, either way, Sasha and Bailey may go the limit here. If Sasha and Bailey do win this, I want the final team to be Mandy and Sonya. I, I swear, if it's Naya and Tamina, oh, I hope not. <laughs> I, I and I'm telling you right now, if this is main event, if this is closing the show, Naya Jax is going through a pod. Yes. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> that is single pod. <laughs> you're gonna have like four women just Irish whipper into it. And it's like, fuck you, we're eliminating you. Tamina, you suck. Like, you're the worst thing I've ever seen. I'm sorry. She is like a female Kali. Oh, you're going off now. (laughs) I love it. Like, okay, was it the Rumble? The Rumble. She had like six spots where I'm looking at her. I'm like, you look 
fucking confused. Your dad was a fucking iconic wrestler. Do something. Like there's like I think it was Kyrie Sane or someone was like running around the ring, oh, like taunting talking. her, and she's just like, like motionless. It's like do like go through a punch, like do something. I feel like if they want to promote the talent they have within the women's tag division, that is the last team they want to put the titles on because they're very limited. But like I feel like they would put the titles on them because of how much heat Nia Jax has been getting. It's like, yeah, just that put the sense, yeah. like put the title on Nia because she's fucking hated the most. And she's fighting with Dean Ambrose in the last. Which goes minutes. against what we want. Which goes against what we want because we said we want a heel team to win. And that would be the one. To but win. that's the one heel team that would probably win. But I swear to God, if they win, it's just like you're because this is a historic match. You're looking back at it, Tamina Snuka, the first smack, the first I was gonna say SmackDown, the first women's tag team champion. No one wants. To Are you that. kidding me? <laughs> that's like Mark Henry being the first ever WWE champion, or like 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 Great Collie. Like, uh, fuck, man! Was another crappy. Oh, seven was a bad time. It was. <laughs> Luther Reigns. <laughs> Besides everything I just said, I hope it's a fun match. I hope Mandy and Sonya win. I'm all in for them, even though Sasha and Bailey are probably the favorites to win. Sasha Banks apparently was just cleared for this match, yeah. and this <laughs> is and this is like the most brutal match. So it's like, eh, yeah. The doctor's like, yeah, you're co- you're clear to compete, but you know it's a chamber match, right? Oh yeah, yeah, I'm good. All, all right, all right, all right. Don't 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 break your neck. It's all good. Don't break your neck. But yeah, it should be a should be a fun pay per view, guys. Uh, looking forward to it. Um, one thing I want to say before this before we end this pod, out of all the guys in the WWE Championship Chamber match, is there one guy that you just want to see get like buried? You know who I want to see get buried? Randy Orton. I want to see okay because we've we've seen in the past, and I think this should happen. I think this is a thing that actually should happen. Why don't you have everybody team up on the champion or team up on the biggest threat in the match? Not name Samoa Joe. So like Randy Orton, he's a fifteen or fourteen time champion. Remember what they did with Cena when they all eliminated him right away? <laughs> they should do that with Randy Orton. He's coming in last too, right? Orton? Yeah. Yeah, so you know what? Oh, my God. The way I'd book it is all five of them are in the ring, like in the chamber. Orton comes out. They all look at him, and they just beat the shit out of him, and they eliminate him. I just want to see the second he opens the pod, Brian hits him with a fucking running knee. (laughs) (laughs) Go from there. I don't think Randy Orton, like, even if they make him go out first, he can't. he's not a guy that I can see, like, them burying because they know his contract is would come up and he would just say, oh, All right, we don't need I'm Orton gone. anymore. And then he'll go over there and actually show personality and I've, then they'll regret it. I don't think they want to play that game with Randy Orton. I feel like if Orton got buried, he'd go backstage and be like, Vince, what the fuck, man? <laughs> he'll probably punt him in the face. <laughs> he'll beat him wouldn't be the stage. wouldn't be the first him. time either. He punted Road him. Dog's like getting, no, 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 Randy, what are you? no, 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 okay, I'm good, I'm good. And then just run and punt him again. <laughs> but anyways, guys, that is it for this week. Um, tune in to the Elimination Chamber this Sunday. And um, it should be a fun show. Hopefully the new Daniel Bryan is just going to kill it. I hope AJ Styles kills it. I don't want to see Orton and Styles at Mania. Alino, I hope you're wrong with that one. Um, But we are on a lot of... (laughs) I can say this every week and I will screw it up every time. We're on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, MixCloud, YouTube... I don't know. <laughs> You're good. You, you, you got it. Don't. <laughs> Alito's Look looking. Look for the picture. You're good. He's looking at me. He's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, guys, that's it for this week. Make sure to tune in. And again, happy Valentine's Day.